It's so great uh, just to be here um, and to be among family. Uh, we recently did a, a trust exercise uh, as a staff, and one of the big questions is, how do you receive trust? How do you give trust to others? And among many things, Laura and I were in agreement that, hey, one of the things that, uh, uh, the, one of the ways that we experience trust is when people are loyal, when they're faithful, when they're family. But number four was the key one, when Jesus is Lord over themselves. When I know that in the end, Jesus is going to be Lord, they're going to obey him more than anyone or anything, even including us. If I know that's where they are in their own throne room experience with God, they are trustworthy because they're not trusting man, they're trusting God. And I want to say to these guys, to the Hardys, especially, you are those people. You are loyal, you're faithful, you are family, and Jesus is Lord. And we trust you, period. All right, that's enough to preach right there. Just take that outline. Uh, but again, I want to introduce you to our own family. Obviously, you got to see my beautiful wife, Laura, but I want you to see the whole clan uh, together. This is this Christmas, and that's our son-in-law, Kyle, our daughter, Abby, and their three kiddos, Miles, the little boy in, the, in uh, Abby's arms, was born on December 5th, Elias. And then there's Levi, our character fun two-and-a-half-year-old grandson in Laura's arms. They live in Washington, D.C. They're on the leadership team in Washington, D.C. Kyle works for the government. And then uh, there's Laura and myself. And then there's our daughter, Lauren, and, you know, and our one Aggie in the family. That, that was the greater, greatest hurdle at saying yes to this marriage. Everything else was great, man of God, all that. Just had to get through that. And... Uh, in a moment, I'll show you their little boy that was born on February 23rd. She is pregnant. There he is, little Jesse Travis, man of God. And I, I put him in a, a picture of a neutral onesie. He has a Baylor onesie, and he has an A&M onesie. Uh, and so we, we uh, try to expel certain pictures and add others in. That was a neutral one for this crowd. All right, back to our family. Uh, we have our son, Caleb, who, uh, again, is one of the leaders in our church plant in D.C. and uh, uh, works uh, in the government as well. And then Daniel is a senior at Abilene Christian University. He's about to graduate, and he will go to work in Fort Worth and be a part of Antioch, Fort Worth, and be an accountant there. He's a beautiful man of God. Beautiful. I don't know if you want me to say that, but he is a <laughs> great man of God. And, uh, man, we just love Love, love our family. And, um, uh, but I wanted to show you another picture of us kind of in the early days. This is what we call in parenting the sweet spot. It's between three and 13. You got everybody. Nobody has a car yet. Of course, we got a lot of activities, but everybody has to go to each other's activities. We do life as a clan. And one of our big deals as a family was to constantly re-up on what our mission statement as a family was. And we had this little piece of paper and a world map at the end of our breakfast table, and it said, the Cyberts are a family of love, honor, and purpose. Love God with all of our hearts, 
honor one another, put value on one another, um, a purpose to be on the mission of God, making disciples, preaching the gospel. And we would review that every morning. And then every three times a year, we would get together and say, what are our roles and goals around that? How are we going to live that out as a family? We would constantly re-up on what was most important. Because when you re-up on what's most important, you get that plumb line centerpiece of God. And when you have that plumb line centerpiece of God, then you can confidently move forward. No matter what goes on in the chaos, no matter what voices you hear, no matter who does what, if you are centered up on Jesus and his purpose, you're never uh, distraught. You don't, you don't have to be tossed to and fro. So I want to take you back and talk about us as a movement and then get it down to you personally. For us as a movement, it was actually 2018, and a lot of the rumblings that are going on around America were already in the water, right? The racial issues, the uh, sexuality issues, the uh, biblical uh, uh, authority issues, the relational challenges, uh, the politics. It was all in the water stirring around. And we found it affecting our movement that we love. And man, because of course, all of us have been affected by the challenges around us. So in seeking the Lord for our gathering of all of our leaders around the U.S. and the staffs, there was going to be about 500 people there. And uh, we, Laura and I were seeking the Lord with a group of friends. And we were saying, okay, God, how do we center up? What is the center of who we are? How do we get back to who we are so that we're not going to be shaken? We had no idea what was coming. But in that mindset, we said, okay, we, we are centering back up on, and just let me use words that I'll define later, um, on having an apostolic vision of Jesus. And what that means is Paul was caught up in the third heaven. His revelation of Jesus was amazing. Paul would say, I want the eyes of my heart to be enlightened that I may know him better. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. There was that recentering. Let's recenter as a people on the glory of Jesus as he's described himself and make him first place, uh, uh, make, make him uh, the first one that we go to, make him preeminent in all things, as Colossians says. So an apostolic vision of Jesus. The second uh, piece was, let's center up again on an apostolic lifestyle. Everybody wants a book of Acts outcome, but they don't want to live a book of Acts life. So when you read the Bible, you want the signs and wonders, you want the power, you want the visitation of the Lord, but there's a lifestyle. Narrow is the way that leads to life and broad is the way that leads to destruction. So there was an admonition. What is an apostolic lifestyle? And again, when I use the word apostolic, don't just think of Paul. Think about a people on mission, always moving forward. People always moving forward. So an apostolic vision of Jesus, an apostolic lifestyle, and then an apostolic mission. Hey, we're here to seek and save the lost. We're here to rescue men and women from destruction. We're here to bring people into God's intended desire for their lives. And out of that, we believe that transforms a home, a family, a neighborhood, a city, and the nations of the earth. This realignment was not just apostolic, but it was also what we call prophetic. So if the apostolic is the mission to move forward, the prophetic is the ear to listen well. God, we are called and reestablishing to be a forward-moving people, loving you, uh, laying down our lives, being on mission, and listening well because God's leading. And who knows what he's going to say today and how to navigate the journeys around us. But we must get back to our apostolic and prophetic words. One of those 
uh, key scriptures that I often use related to that is Ephesians 1, 2, excuse me, 19 through 21. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints. And you're of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple of the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into the dwelling of God in the Spirit. I can say that from the scriptures of God's admonition to us is the big C church. I can say that for Antioch Waco, and I know I can say that for Antioch College Station. We are built on the foundations of being an apostolic and prophetic people, letting everyone be rightly fitted together because the world needs a demonstration for the glory of God. So we're in this big picture uh, idea, and I'm going back to 2018. I'm about to speak the next day, and I asked the Lord that night, God, would you just give me something more, something new, fresh? Everybody kind of understands that's who we are. Is there something that you would speak that would help us to understand more what you're calling on us as a people? And I had a dream that night, a very dramatic dream. And in the dream, I am like on, in, in the New York Harbor looking out over the Atlantic. And uh, I think a picture will come up here. And as I'm, and, and as I'm in this dream and I'm looking at it, it's, it's obviously it's as if it is so real. And in the dream, I'm saying, God, what are you doing? And, and God speaks to me so clearly. He says, I am conscripting the Antioch movement for such a time as this. Now, I want you to know, I'd never used that word before in a sentence from my recollection. But it was the voice of God. And I do not say that lightly. This would be top five experiences in my almost 40 years now following Jesus. But I know the Lord's voice. And it was, it was resounding. I'm conscripting the Antioch movement for such a time as this. And in the dream, I'm seeing they're saying conscription, that you're drafting us or redrafting us into your army. That's what the word conscription means, to be put in to, to be drafted into the army. Uh, and I said, oh, you're redrafting us. Yes, Lord, that's awesome. And then I wake up and I said, Lord, you know, again, what does that mean? <laughs> and, and what do I do with it? And then another picture comes up in my mind. So now it goes from a dream to a vision. And in this picture, I see a ship going from London to New York. Picture of the ship come up. And God speaks to me. It's like the Queen Mary. Now, I just have to say to you guys, you, most of you do not know me well, but I am being 100% honest. I did not know what the Queen Mary was. I had some recollection that it's a boat cruise liner somewhere in time. And so it's like the Queen Mary, and God speaks, the answer is in the Queen Mary. So, wow, so now I'm fully alert, fully awake. I am conscription. What does that mean? And it means to uh, bring people. Uh, that it, it's, it's like when a government has the power to bring a people into war, to bring property into war, or to bring vessels into war. It has the right to conscript that person, place, or thing for the need to win a war or to protect a nation. And so I, then I looked up the Queen Mary. And the Queen Mary was a cruise liner um, during the 1930s. It was one of the top luxury liners in the world. And it was conscripted by the Allied forces um, to be retrofitted from a cruise liner to a troop carrier. 
So what they did is they conscripted it. So now they brought it in. They owned it. And excuse me, the Allied forces, they took it to New York and they stripped out all the things of luxury, anything that was not needed, the paintings, the ornate stuff, the gold stuff. They just stripped out all the things because they didn't need that extra weight and they didn't need that extra luxury. And then they sent it down to Australia. They retrofitted it to be a troop carrier. Before they retrofitted it, there was 2,000 passengers would be on board with 1,000 staff. That's how luxurious it was. And it never had more than 3,000 people total on the boat. But they were retrofitting it to be a troop carrier. And they had to get more troops from uh, the U.S. to the continents of the world. And so they then began to put bunks inside of it. They painted it gray. We have a picture of that. They called it the gray ghost. They began to then put bunks inside of it. The picture you're going to see now is literally in what was the swimming pool. They put a bunk bed seven high so that they could do troops. And then they broke the world record for the greatest amount of people to cross the Atlantic in one vessel. You see the next picture. 16,683 troops were brought in one setting. And over the next four years, there would be over 400,000 troops brought from the, uh, on the Queen Mary to five different continents to win the war. God's saying, I'm conscripting the Antioch movement. It's like the Queen Mary. And the, the, just let me just give you a few more interesting facts about the Queen Mary. Uh, it was the fastest vessel. It was faster than the German U-boats. Hitler literally gave the, he put out that a captain of any U-boat that would uh, hit the Queen Mary with a torpedo would be given $250,000. That would be like four and a half million dollars and they could never get it because it was too fast. Inside of the hold of the ship were uh, the, the, a place where the leaders could meet and plan war. There were war rooms inside. If any of you guys have seen Winston Churchill's movie, The Darkest Hour, that came out about three years ago, it was filmed inside the Queen Mary, which is now sits as a museum in Long Island, in um, um, uh, Long Beach, California. And inside there, this was where Churchill would travel back and forth to visit Roosevelt. So you'd have these thousands of troops. Churchill would be in there doing his war plans inside the Queen Mary. And that's where the plans were first rolled out for the invasion of Normandy to win the war of World War II. So there's a lot of cool stuff about uh, this deal. But just uh, uh, about three months ago, I was talking with a friend, re uh, communicating about this because we felt so compelled to bring this forward again to us as a movement to remind us of who we are in the middle of this battle and the coming battles that are ahead of us. And, um, and he said, well, I know it's obvious, but you remember the, the power's in the name. And, you know, when somebody says, you know, it's obvious, just say, why don't you tell me anyway? Maybe, <laughs> maybe it isn't quite as obvious as you think it is. The church is the queen. Jesus is the king. He's the bridegroom. We're the bride. The church is the king. We're his queen. We are his royal priesthood, his holy nation. We are what he has to display his glory. He loves us. He, he's proud of us in that sense. He's, he desires for us to be known. And he is the king and the church uh, is the queen. And then he said, and then Mary was the conscripted one. Now pause just a moment. Mary 
was conscripted by God to house Jesus, to carry Jesus into the earth to change the world. She was conscripted not of her own choosing, but of God's choosing. And her holy response was in, in, in Luke 1.38, be it done according to your bondservant. Woo! I don't know if that helps you a little bit. So we, just, to, just to review here, God's speaking boldly. And one of the things that we realize at the end of 2020, in the midst of all the challenge and all the chaos, is that we have not fulfilled that word. We had not fully given ourselves to what God spoke to us in 2018. And not only Antioch, but the church worldwide, the church in America is needed more than ever to go from a cruise liner to a troop carrier because the battle is real. And just a little aside, what is the battle? The battle is for the heart of man to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The battle is to love one another in radical forgiveness and radical rescue. And the battle is that the name of Jesus might be known to every tribe, tongue, people, and nation so that no one goes to hell and everyone has a chance at heaven. We are the refuge for the world. We, as the church, as the people of God, have the only message of forgiveness and grace, of love, and uh, eternal consequence. There's a real battle going on beyond politics, beyond uh, people's complexities, beyond humanism. It's the battle for the soul of man. So, just a couple of refreshers on the church, and then we're going to drill down on our friend Mary. Okay, run through these real quickly. The church is the fullness of Christ, a building not made with hands. We're the body of Christ. We're the family of God. We're the bride of Christ. We're the pillar and support of truth. We're the army of God. We're the administration of Christ. We're the eternal purpose of God in Christ. We're a house of prayer for all the nations. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, very familiar passage. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you all, y'all, may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called y'all out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you're the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That is who we are. If you are born again today, if you are not born again today, then today is the day of salvation for you. But if you do know the Lord today, we are all a part of this thing called the, 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 uh, the, the eternal purpose of God in Christ Jesus. And when we come together under his rule and reign, and I'll just take those little trust things I said earlier, when we come together in loyalty, in faithfulness, in family, and in consecration, conscription, not my will, but your will be done. There is power on the house. Whether it's your family, your life group, your community, wherever that's present, the power of God is there because it's the will of God. And let me just go a random scripture here on what powers this house. Obviously it's the Holy Spirit, but I believe that what God has sorted out and what's God sorting out among the people of God worldwide and especially nationwide is what is of man is not going to last nor work. What is of God will. There's a, there's a random scripture. If you guys remember the tower of Babel in the book of Genesis, And they were trying to, all these humans were trying to get together to make it to heaven, to take their human ingenuity and to come up with solutions in order to touch heaven and get everything that was possible for them. And here's what it says in Genesis 11, three through four. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. 
and they used brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. And they said, come let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. Now, everybody just pause for a minute. I'm going to go deep. Everybody ready? Everybody say deep. deep. All right. So here's the deal. When they wanted to build a tower to heaven, when they wanted to, quote, be the apex of all that uh, they could experience in life, from, they made bricks. They used bricks instead of stones. Bricks are man-made and stones are God-made. Bricks are man-made, stones are God-made. The Bible says that we are living stones rightly fitted together to be a building and a house unto God that would be unshakable. Anything that is man-made, anything that's humanism at the center will not get us to the God-intended outcome that he has for us. That's why dialogue alone does not get us to righteousness. The authority of God's word and what he has to say on every issue of life is the stone, the chief cornerstone, Jesus himself, his word and the authority of his world. So I am not a humanist uh, in my uh, uh, practice. We as a movement, we as the church should not be humanists. It's God first, his authority first, and then how do we as humans submit to God? It's not the exaltation of humans and then try to sort it out among the humans to get to a God outcome. I'm saying a lot there that you may not know I am. And so what I'm trying to encourage us with in this hour, my friends, we cannot be looking to uh, seeing the church be a man-made, the best of man. It must be a submission to God. And let him take however he wants to take his living stones and rightly fit them together in mutual submission to one another to build a beautiful house for his glory as we worship him, submit to him, and honor him in our personal lives and in our corporate lives. Hey, one other thing about the church before we get to our friend Mary uh, is this, is that very familiar passage. It says <clears throat> that the... Uh, 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 Jesus speaks to Peter. He says, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The only thing that makes it through the storm, the only boat biblically that's guaranteed to make it through the storm is the church. Right. I'm sure that it's been preached here as it has in almost every church in America, uh, that, that story of uh, Jesus and the disciples in the storm. Jesus is asleep on the boat. The disciples freak out. They go wake him up. Jesus said, oh, you have a little faith. He stops the wind and the waves and they get to the other side. But here's the deal. When Jesus is in the boat, that boat is going to the other side. When Jesus is rightly exalted in this house, when Jesus is rightly submitted to, when Jesus is rightly honored, and this can, you can take this personally, that boat makes it to the other side. The church is going to make it through this. It's not only going to make it through this, it's the only thing that is going to make it through this. There is no man-made institution that ultimately carries the water of God and can get to the other side. And for those who stay with the boat, who stay in the boat, and I'm not just talking about Antioch College Station, I'm talking about, I've told people, if you are going to, if you are leaving Antioch Waco, just let me know you're going to another church because you got to stay in the boat because the boat's the only thing that makes it. 
And so this boat gets to the other side. If you know the story, that's when this legion of demons guy comes at them and then they see the demons delivered. When you stay with the boat and make it through the storm, there's authority to deliver men. There is authority on the house that stays in the boat with Jesus. All right. So we got the big picture. We're conscripted by God. This boat's going to make it because it's Jesus. We are, we are living stones. We're not a bunch of man-made bricks. We don't have the answers. He does. When we submit to his answers, it works. When we look for our own, we fail. This is world history, by the way. And so there's a calling on us as the church to be the people of God. But ultimately, we each are a living stone. We each house the Spirit of God. And each of our humble response to God determines our own destiny and whether we are a part of God's grand plan in history now. And so if you have a Bible, that was just the introduction. Uh, If you have a Bible, go to Luke chapter 1. You go on your phone, of course, uh, as most of you are. Uh, So... Luke 1, and this is the encounter that Mary has, the conscripted one, has with the angel. And the angel shows up to her, this young teenage girl, and he, and he comes to her in Luke 1, 28, and he says to her, greeting, favored one, the Lord is with you. Greeting, favored one, the Lord is with you. So first of all, an angel shows up in this teenager's life has no construct or understanding of it. And he says, hail favored one, the Lord is with you. So as a simple young teenage girl under the authority of her parents, um, uh, uh, not a priest, not a prophet, not a king, how could God show up to a lowly young teenager and her not be a prophet, priest, or king. How could this be? So she's stunned, but the greeting is more stunning than you know. Hail favored one. And what that means is, hail favored one. Hail the, the one, it's, it's the uh, synonymous with grace, says, you are favored by God, not of your own doing, but by God's choosing. Hail favored one. You are loved by God. You are seen by God. And he wants to let you know that you are beautiful to him apart from anything you've ever done. So here she is. You're unconditionally valued by the living God, Mary, as, as if she was the only person in the world. And let me say this. All uh, intimacy with God All your walk with God is based on that one clear clarion piece and that God has poured grace upon grace to everyone created in his image. Through Jesus and your humble response to him, you find grace unending. Forgiveness is not partial, it's complete. Mercy is not partial, it's complete. So when you came to Jesus, you were forgiven in such a way that eternity is set by his covenant commitment to you. But you are also forgiven every day when you present your body to him. Say, God, yesterday was a tough day. I hear the things I know I sinned and I bring it to you. When you bring it to the throne of grace, you're washed in a moment and you're back in favor with God to walk with God by the grace of God. God is not hoping or waiting today that your good outweighs your bad for you to be right with God. 
This is way bigger than you think. We all live as if, okay, man, I had a bad day yesterday, but okay, let's give another try today. I hope my good outweighs my bad today so that then I have favor with God. I'm not saying there isn't consequence for sin. I'm not saying that we don't have boundaries and all that stuff. We do. But in the basis of knowing God, (laughs) you confess your sins. He's faithful and just forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. His favor is based on his covenant promise to cleanse you every day. And if if his forgiveness is not complete, there's no power for today. You can't live under condemnation and live alive. That is why God is not like man and he forgives you completely and wholly so that you can run with him. So I would say to each of us, it says, uh, come with confidence to the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in your time of need. Every day is a day of favor, not because of your good outweighing your bad, but because of the grace of God that has been extended to you by the blood of Jesus and he created you. Because he wants you. All right. So hail favored one. And she's like blown away by the grace of God. Doesn't understand it. Can't comprehend it. But she's stunned by it. She's stunned by the grace of God. So hail favored one. So the first thing I want you to do. There's going to be four F's today for the note takers. Conscripted people know the favor of God. And let me just say again, favor is not the new car you got or just the new house. And I, I'd count that, take the, hey, I'm, I'm grateful for it. Favor is the knowing inside of you that grace is greater than your sin. Yes. It's knowing inside of you that he cares for you and loves you in spite of your sin. Yep. It's amazing. It's, it's unending. It's, it's the penultimate of the parent to the child. We're constantly disciplining our children and and teaching them to obey and to grow, but we're not throwing them out of the house cyclically. (laughs) We're actually pulling them closer to love them and care for them while we work things through because we have a covenant commitment to them that's based on grace and not on law. That's a a three-part series, but we got to keep going. (laughs) So, hail favored one. Uh, And then, Luke, Luke 129 Then Mary's response is, she was perplexed at this statement and kept pondering, what in the world does this mean? We just talked about that. So then the angel comes back again with this word, fear not, you have found favor with God. Now, not to confuse you, um, but just to let you know the difference between this word. The first favor is unmerited favor. Again, the definition of grace is um, unmerited favor or love towards undeserving people. So God's grace is there for you, Mary. You are loved, you are covered. This second word favor is where you would get the word faithfulness. So favor based on some act of obedience or something that Mary did that caused her to get God's attention. So she was favored, even if she hadn't heard the angels say, you're of greatest value. Don't get confused. Then, but now he's saying, I've seen your heart and your response in her world, probably to your parents, to the word of God, to honor Joseph, uh, who you're engaged to, to honor those around you. You're an honorable woman. You have obeyed and we have seen your faithfulness. And so there's nothing to fear. Yes, be blown away by our love for and care for you regardless. And we've seen your faithful heart so you have, we have chosen you. Now, please don't get confused here real quick. 
Regardless of whether you ever walk with God from this day forward, you have favor in the sense of access to the throne of grace. You are loved by God and wanted by God. You can be disobedient to God and waste your life, but you are not not loved by God because he can't be anything but himself. But if you'd like to participate in the glory of God and his plans on planet earth, there is a faithfulness to God that is built upon that allows God to continue to give you assignments in a way that partner with his purpose. So Mary is blown away by the grace of God. And now she begins to get a little bit of understanding about, okay, you've seen my heart. You, I don't get it all, but I've just been who I know to be. And, and you've, you've found that enough for you to come with me. So here's the deal. It's amazing how little it takes to thrill the heart of God. Okay. We have four kids we have, and, and now two son-in-laws. We've got four grandchildren. And I, when the first smile of Jesse, which happened last week, you know, we're always in front of him, trying to just get one smile. He smiles and we're like, oh, he smiled. Woo, what a kid. You know, and, and so really, when he gets up on all fours and he rocks a little bit and falls on his face, he rocked. He's, he's, he's crawling. Yes, everyone, video, Instagram, live, whatever it is. One step, we're like, he stepped forward. He's on two legs, you know, etc. <laughs> and so it will be all their lives. The celebration of every step forward, the care for the mistakes made because they're humans, and the forgiveness given when they sin. But we never chastise them for progress while they're learning. So every yes that you do, every humble response to God, in the midst of all the other imperfections that you are, it puts a smile on God's heart and he celebrates it even while we're working through the junk. If he didn't, we wouldn't be family. You cannot be a family without progress being celebrated. Let that one sit. Everybody in this room, way to go, Antioch College Station. You're alive. We're here today. We're standing. We're worshiping Jesus. God is thrilled that we're gathered today. Have there been mistakes made? Absolutely. Have there been changes made? Of, of course. Are there challenges ahead? Of course. Welcome to being a human. But God is with us. And all he's looking for is a faithful response. Yes, Lord, I will obey. And he will back up that which is responded to appropriately, even while we're working through stuff that we don't even know how to get out of. All right, so this is what a conscripted person lives like. They live in the favor of God. And they make sure that what I know to do, I am doing. I'm being faithful in the journey. And then if you're following the notes here, favor, faithfulness, and fire. <laughs> fire. Luke 1, 34 and 35, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? How, how can this be that 
the, 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 the Savior is, is literally in my womb. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Woo! The Holy Spirit will overshadow you and that will empower you to ultimately do the impossible. So it's not just, hey, I have an intellectual thought. Okay, what does grace and favor mean? Okay, I'm loved by God no matter what. It doesn't feel like it, but okay, I get it. And, and I can be faithful. I'm doing these little obedient acts. But she's saying, I hear you. I'm tracking with you, but this is impossible for me to do. And he says, the angel says, Gabriel, back to her, it's not impossible because we're going to put the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. God himself is going to put his power on you. God himself is going to plant his promise inside of you and he will fulfill it. So let me just say, not only our acknowledgement of God's favor, not only our submission uh, to God in obedience in little ways to big ways, but there is this acknowledgement of our need for the spirit of the living God. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill me. The Holy Spirit has been put inside of you. Again, if you're born again, the spirit of God has been put inside of you. So that it is not ultimately, I want to do better. I'm just not doing better. I want He's put his spirit within you so that all things are possible. And so we acknowledge the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. And then we acknowledge the power, our need for the power of God everywhere we go. Because we're not building a house of bricks. We're living stones. One of the things that I've done over uh, the COVID deal is so many challenges, so much pain, so much in, inwardly, outwardly, the hardest year of our lives. And so I said, hey, I've got to get a friend that's outside of our movement that I can talk with and pray with. And God gave me a dear friend uh, who's a counselor, prayer dude. And, and so we, every Friday, we meet for an hour and we just pray through stuff. And here's kind of the rhythm. His rhythm, with our rhythm is this. He said, you know, many times we want to um, attack the pain in our lives or the problem in our lives first, but without gratitude, there's no power to deal with it. And so what we do is we spend the first time uh, expressing what we call golden memories. So he'll say, so let's say last week, what's a golden memory from this week? And I said, well, a goal, or, or, or this week, what I will say uh, yesterday, said we did a baby dedication for Jesse. And then we went out to lunch with my brother who led me to the Lord 40 years ago, his son, who's a revival leader in our movement. We uh, Brady, who's a, just a man of God, great father and husband to my daughter, our daughter who loves Jesus, Jesse, we sat at this little sandwich shop. We talked about what trust means to us. We talked about God's goodness and glory of God. And I said, I could have just gone to heaven right there. I just said, you know, it's enough. And then what he'll get back to me, he'll say, whoa, what a, he'll, he'll enter into it with me. I can't imagine being there, what it felt like. What were the feelings? What were the expressions? What did people say that encouraged you? And he'll say, what do you think God's saying about all that? Do you think God, as he was looking in and sitting at the table with you, what do you think he was experiencing? How much greater do you think his joy was over this little family talking about the kingdom of God and another generation of children? What do you think God thought? And I mean, Will, you're already caught up, right? I mean, I'm getting caught up in this thought like, Whoa, he's so good. 
Now, Holy Spirit, what was hurtful this week? Well, God's faithfulness, God's nearness, and God's power now by the Holy Spirit, then I can discern rightly how to deal with the pain or the process or the challenge because it's by the Holy Spirit and not by the angst of man. Does that make sense? So Mary is encouraged, though she still doesn't really know what's going on, you guys. But she's saying, okay, so the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow me. There's going to be power for this impossible thing. And then the the verse 37, the beautiful one we all love, for nothing will be impossible with God. (laughs) So here you go. But you got to get the, you got to conscripted ones, my conscripted friends in this hour, Antioch Community Church, uh, Antioch College Station. you got to get it right. The conscripted one sees favor, grace alone, and love by God. Faithfulness, simple obedience to God, even in the midst of the things we're working through. We see the Holy Spirit as the conductor of our lives and the impossible miracle worker in our lives. And then we declare with faith. So we have favor, faithfulness, fire is my Holy Spirit. If you're looking for uh, the the next word. The last one is faith. Therefore, now we have great faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. This is substantive. I now declare nothing is impossible with God because his favor is real, because my response to him is genuine, because the power of the Holy Spirit lives. I have substantive faith to now believe God for the impossible. Whatever that is in your life, whether it's getting out of personal depression, eating disorders, anxieties, relational breakdowns, whatever, to God, would you heal our nation? (laughs) Uh, Would you reach the peoples of the earth? Would COVID be broken forever? Whatever the huge miracles are, usually start with little miracles at home. And when we live at conscripted lives, we always are on the precipice of the impossible being possible. We're just always just right there. Just, just a, a moment away. I just wrote down just a few little quick ones here from thoughts this week about the impossible. You know, think about Tyler Hardy as a whatever construction engineer major or something like that here at A&M. <laughs> Least likely to pastor a church. <laughs> Uh, Ashley, more likely to pastor a church. But but the miracle of God. They've had the privilege of speaking to and leading thousands upon thousands of people to Jesus, to consecration, calling the holiness. Whether they came once or whether they were here for years and have left, where they come or they've gone, the impossible has happened. It has. People's lives have been radically changed. And you'll never know. You'll know in eternity. But the impossibles happen. God has taken two clay vessels and he has started a movement. And that is not just them. Everybody in this house. But I just wanted to say to you guys, the God of the impossible still believes in you. We had a girl the other day uh, in one of our prayer meetings just get 
filled up with Jesus, the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. And they were going through uh, uh, a drive-thru at a fast food restaurant. And they said, what's a word for the gal behind the counter? And they have this word for her. She breaks down into tears. And, she, and they said, would you like to meet after work? They meet up after work. She brings a friend. She's lost. The friend's lost. They just had a word of God seeing and God knowing. And she says, I don't know what to do. I, I got pregnant. I'm going to have an abortion in two days. What do I do? They said, come to Jesus. She comes to Jesus, but because she brought a friend, the friend came to Jesus. Then they were baptized within the next two weeks. They are walking with God today. They are involved in a life group. They're being changed. A life was rescued that was about to be killed through abortion, and two hearts were rescued, and now their friends are being salted and lighted with the grace of God. That's impossible. You know that, right? That is, if the Holy Spirit had not overshadowed them in that prayer meeting, if they wouldn't have been filled up and alert, I don't know what would have happened. But what I do know is something impossible now happened to deliver this uh, gal, her family. Uh, Here's another one. I just got three or four. Uh, Here's another one. And I'm going to end here quick, but those are counting time. Uh, There's a business guy in our town that's a vice president of one of the largest franchise companies actually in the world. And he's been raised up through the ranks, and he's been praying for people in his community. His current stats as of today were 129 people saved in his workplace. They have had, literally they quit counting at, the, at 300, the miracles that they've had. They have this unique anointing in their prayer meetings at 730 in the morning. For anybody that's having trouble having kids, they've had 15 births that they said were not possible. People got pregnant uh, to be... Um, and then now there's, uh, I think he said, 30 other franchises that are doing the same, literally praying at 7.30 in the morning for 30 minutes, praying for everyone and anyone, and then following through with each other on lunch breaks, never during the work time, doing excellent work in the glory of God being made manifest. He wrote, he wrote a book called Revival as Business that you want to get. Uh, it's a great little read he shared uh, with us just the other day. And I just thought again of my friends who have shared in this house, Chris and Rebecca, who uh, God, the Holy Spirit spoke to them at a world mandate to contend for a people, the Palestinian people. And then God would send them to the Middle East and literally uh, through their lives and their team and many other supernatural experiences, they saw thousands of Muslims come to the Lord. These, these are impossible things, but the Holy Spirit overshadows you. The Holy Spirit spoke to Tyler and Ashley. The Holy Spirit spoke to this college gal to share with this other family. The Holy Spirit speaks to Brandon and his wife, Kristen. The Holy Spirit speaks to Christian Rebecca. And the ripples never end because God is always doing the impossible to those that believe. Faith. Luke one thirty eight. Last scripture, what's Mary, the conscripted one, do? She says, behold, the bond slave of the Lord may it be done to me according to your word. And I like this, and the angel departed from her. Basically, he said, you got it. (laughs) You got the favor, you got the faithfulness, you got the fire, and you have the faith. We're good to go. I love that word bond slave. Bond slave is another way to say conscripted. A bond slave is I've chosen to submit, not I'm made to submit. The beautiful thing about God is he's not making you do anything. He honors your will, your will to love him or not, your will to choose him or not. And this morning, what I'm inviting you to is to re-sign up to be a bond slave. Very imperfect, 
but just to re-sign up together. God's got a big word for us, you guys. The Queen Mary. The church conscripted for such a time as this. That's who this house is. That's who we're going to be as a movement. And we invite you again to re-up. Let's stand together. Hey, if some of our life group leaders can come and pray for folks. Because here's what we want to do. Just jump up here. Life group leaders, some of your staff, be available. All right, everybody, hey, stay with me. Don't blip out. I know this is a normal thing at the end of a service. Hang on. Hang on with me. There's, there's a couple of responses here. Remember, favor, if you just need to know the renewal of God, I need to be forgiven. I need another renewal. If you need any help with that, you need to pray with somebody. There's a leader up here to pray with you. Faithfulness, that's, that's, that's your long haul deal. That's for your word to go with. What little steps of obedience do I need to take in response to God? That fire word, number three, fire. You say, man, I want to, but I feel I have no power. Then, man, ask these guys to pray for you. If you feel like, man, I need power in my life. Man, who knows what God would want to do this morning to come on you with fire. And then uh, lastly, of course, that, that, that key piece of faith. What is your impossibility today? I want you to present that before the Lord here, but also many of, we just need somebody to agree with us. If you have an impossibility, a personal depression, a personal challenge with an eating disorder, a personal challenge, or uh, a bigger deal that you just can't work through, that's, we're called the body of Christ. We humble ourselves, we pray together, and that's how God moves. So I'm gonna pray, and I'm just gonna ask you to move as the Holy Spirit will lead. Don't let anything or anyone keep you from getting prayed for. If you have an impossibility, if anything I said stirred your heart that you want to agree with somebody or you need help for a friend or a family member, you just start stepping out and I'm going to pray that God would move. And then I want to do one last thing before we close. Spirit of the living God, I pray, awaken our hearts. Awaken our hearts, God. Awaken our hearts to what you're saying in this hour, God. We want to be your conscripted ones. We want to be wholly yours, God. We need all of it, not just some of it, God. I ask for this community, I ask for my friends here, may the miracles begin to flow in every direction because we've consecrated our hearts to you. Let the miraculous be poured out here this morning in Jesus' name. Listen, just stay right there with your eyes closed, hanging in there and talking to Jesus or you're stepping out and coming. Honestly, it doesn't bother me whether no one comes or not, but it may be your need. Don't let anything keep you. So just step out, come out for prayer if you need prayer, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally. One last group, if you're online watching or you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, I never want to walk out of here. If, I, if you need to know him, I want to take you to him. If you need to know Jesus, I want to take you to him right now. Just say, Lord Jesus. While everybody else just praying and responding however God's leading you. If you don't know Jesus, just pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, just call him Lord. Lord Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Now this is, pray this affirmation. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you made a way to the Father just for me. I am yours, Lord. I am yours. I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. I am yours. I am yours. Amen. Guys, we're going to sing here to... Just sew up what God's doing. Please respond. If you need prayer, turn to a friend or neighbor. If you just prayed that prayer with me, step out wherever you are. Come up here. If you need a friend to come with you, let us know what God's done as we worship Him.